This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, what up? It's like in China. China. Yo, 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 this is Justin Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for clicking on our conversation with Sia. She is an incredibly special human being. She is branding music out together. She has a new movie on the way called Music. She's also been collaborating with both Ziegler sisters, Mackenzie and Maddie. We got a lot to talk about, so uh, let's get her on the audio box. Let's do this. Hello? It's Zia. Hi. How are you? <laughs> you just got the end of my sentence. Who's <laughs> always on a medication? <laughs> I just asked my bodyguard. I was like, "I'm doing all right, am I?" Because I'm doing press all day. I'm, like, I'm doing all right, am I? Being someone who's always on medication. <laughs> and, and what was his response? Was he able to properly diagnose you? Well, he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, you're doing great." Uh, by the way, you're doing a lot of promo because you have a lot to talk about because it's, it's, one, an honor to even speak to you. And uh-huh. two, y- you've been able to create art in so many different facets of culture. And is it kind of wild to be doing promo, not just to push a record, but you're pushing your movie, your movie. It's really exciting. It was, I, Oh, I wanted to do it for so long, but I was too, oh, um, self. I was too scared. I was too fearful. Um, I was afraid people would make fun of me, you know, like when actors make albums. Um, and I don't know. I just, but I really had the need to make this movie. There was a drive, a compulsion, and I had hit my professional goals um, in music, which was just to write a song song for Beyonce and a song for Eminem and once that happened I was like oh and I started writing the screenplay because I'd had the story in my head for years and years and years and I started writing the screenplay and then and then I decided I would I stopped uh after a very very um difficult um marriage uh I was like I'm I'm I can't make a movie and then my best friend Dallas who I'd written it with he finally after we saw La La Land he was like, you know you could do that. You know you could do it. And I was like, you really think so? And he was like, yeah, dude. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. So I called back the producer that I'd been talking to, and I was like, okay, let's do this. And it was really scary, and both it's because of both Dallas and probably Lena Dunham. They both are the two people that I really heard when they said, you can do this to have them believe in me that was like okay that's okay that he would never he would he, he'd always say it straight with me he'd never tell me a lie so I could really I don't know so I just thought okay let's do it and um I jumped in and it was called baptism by fire by the way that's a real friend right like yeah he he's my very best friend in the whole world I I couldn't hope for a better I'm so lucky. I, with my, well, I've hit the jackpot in friendships, actually. But I'm a good friend, and so that's why I've got good friends. 
by the way, like not everybody in the entertainment industry can say that, right? That they have great friends around them. Because yeah, it, true. It, I have a doctor who's fancy, right? Who basically all the all, all the actors and celebrities go to, and he he's a holistic doctor, and he so he asks you who your five best friends are the very first time you go there, and then every year he checks. He's like, so and who are your five best friends this year? And he every time I say the same people, he he looks completely <laughs> shocked and surprised. <laughs> And delighted, and um, it makes me feel um, atypical. <laughs> because it is, but there's something there's something really special about that, and also it allows you to be your most vulnerable, right? Yeah, it allows exactly. you to ultimately be your most comfortable. Yeah, and, and you can they push each everything. other. They know everything about me, and I know everything about them. They're above the line. <laughs> But it, it, it's when you can, when you have those relationships, they can, you, you have the ability to then push somebody out of their comfort zone, which in turn could be the greatest thing to ever happen. Like music, I, I'm to work with Kate Hudson and Leslie Odom Jr. I mean, you and Maddie, she's the basically Maddie plays a very low functioning um, teenager on the autism spectrum, um, and she is incredible. And we we sent the film to the Child Mind Institute because you know obviously it's you want to be really sensitive when you're working with you know yeah just that sensitive material and sensitive to so many people and autism is looks different on everybody and um, and so we, we sent it to them and we got a hundred percent rating from them that her performance had been a hundred percent convincing. Was it? Can you explain your feelings as the director in that moment? And it's your job to kind of coach her through that role. Massive pride, and I mean, she's a dancer, so she picks it all up. And for me, I based the character on a boy that used to be in AA meetings. His mum was the sign language interpreter, and his name was Stevie. And he was always at this one AA meeting, and so I loved him, and I had a real, like a, a friendship with him. And when I started to uh, work with Maddie, I just basically taught her all of his um, tics and movements and uh, the way that he walked and um, his vocalizations. And it, the, he, her character is 100% based on Stevie. And because she's a dancer, it was very easy for her to pick up the tics and the movements because that's it's a very physical role is music based on your reality <laughs> yeah kind of um some of it yeah like i mean it's much what most people who've seen it have said is surprising to them is because it you know it may make you cry but then it will put your heart back together and then you'll leave feeling really good um but that they thought it was going to be funnier because I'm funny. That's what they, that's what, oh, privately. I don't know if I'm funny publicly, but um, my friends think I'm really funny. Um, and, um, <laughs> and so they thought it was going to be much funnier. And it's actually a drama. And it's um, about sobriety and it's about connection and it's about longing. And, you know, um, yeah, and free, freedom, freedom from your body. Um, and uh, because I had been diagnosed with these chronic pain issues, I could really relate 
to just that aspect of um, of Stevie's experience in the world, and um, and I, I don't know, and you know, Maddie so darling. The first time she came for rehearsal, I could see something was wrong, and Kate Hudson was on her way, and I could see she was on the verge of tears. And I said, "Bubby, what's going on?" I said, are you okay? And she just burst into tears and she just said, I just don't want anyone to think I'm making fun of them. And I said, I will never let that happen. And I gave her a big hug and I said, I promise, I promise, I promise, I'll never let that happen. That is not our intention and I will never let that happen. So she was super sensitive to it too. Uh, and she was so brave and courageous to do to play this part. Uh, I just love her so much. She's boogie-woogie. There, there is a relationship between the two of you that is so – it is kind of, like, beautiful and masterful and artistic, and and it extends into her sister. Yeah. I mean, did you ever think you would bond this heavily with two, two, like, teenage sisters? Well, I mean, as soon as I met Maddie, I felt this extreme um, desire to protect her, and I think that it was – part of my own healing and you know I, I don't know I felt this extreme just this extreme compulsion to protect her and and yet you know the irony is that I didn't want to be famous and I threw this child into the spotlight and she would say to me don't be silly I was already famous and I wanted to be famous and you know and I and I say and you know it can stop at any time right like if you want it to stop I can make it stop like you can just go back to being a normal person again. Um, but she said, no, I just love, I love performing. I love dancing and I love acting so much. And so, and so I thought, how, how's a good way I can keep her safe is just keep making projects for her. And therefore most of the time we're working together. And, um, you know, and I kept her off a plane that Harvey Weinstein tried to get her on, you know, and I like, uh, you know, I, there's. I know that there's been times where my um, insight has really made a difference. Like, has kept her safe. Um, yeah, that was really disgusting. Is would you describe your relationship as a mother or as a sister? Yeah, mother, mother and friend. In, but I mean, only because Melissa lets me. She, that's her real mother. Only because I would never like be so like. Presumptuous to say I feel like I'm her mother because I did not do all the hard work that Melissa did for the first eleven years. I just love her as a mother, as um I I love her as if she were mine. She was, feels like she's my firstborn, and even though she was eleven, you know I would take a bullet for her. I, I guess all the things that parents would say they'd do for their children. And also I get extremely like, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm like a bodyguard when she's around. Like my bodyguard jokes that if I ever stop doing my singing thing, I should be a bodyguard because I'm so hypervigilant around Maddie. <laughs> so, so as a mom, when she brings you a situation where she could be in the same on a plane with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, obviously your guard goes up, but like, how do you oh, handle yeah. that? Like, so he, when he invited her, I, I, that's when I called, I just called, 
I told I told Melissa I had to I just said please don't do not do that do not do that do not do that like I and then I you know even recently there was she was offered a part in a film and I I felt that the the film wasn't good enough for her and so I called Melissa and I was just please don't do this like this isn't good for her career it's not good for her long-term credibility this is not a good like co-star to be in a movie with um like so I just try and help guide um just you know you know and I can be a pain in the butt I think her manager thinks I'm a real pain in the butt I'm sure and um (laughs) (laughs) but but you're the needed pain in the butt you're bringing to the you have you, you know what your horse in this race is? It's caring about her, right? Yeah. Like there's no financial yeah. gain here. There's nothing but love. Exactly. There's no agenda except for keep her safe psychologically and physically, but more primarily psychologically because this business is very, very damaging. Is it a big decision for you to, because it is damaging on so many different levels and a part of you not wanting to be famous is obviously you and then co- throwing her in the spot. I mean, I feel a terrible shame, like, because oh. I didn't, I had no, you know, I, I wasn't conscious at the time. I had no idea Chandelier was going to be so massive. Like, I just had no idea. And it, then she would blow up and be this famous t- little teenager. And But I've taken responsibility for it in as much as that I provide her security and that I, wow. you know, uh, like, uh, that's the most I can do, really. Um and that I'm always here for her if she has, if she wants to cry or but, has a bad day or has questions uh, about life. That's what I'm here for. I just got goosebumps because not only did you provide, by the way, both Maddie and Kenzie at this point with like legitimate credibility beyond dance mobs and any of all of that hullabaloo, like credibility artistically on another level. But y- you provide a, se- a sense of family and friendship and like you, I think so. I, definitely. It's great. It's it, and by I the way, like so that's much. rare. That's one in a trillion. One in a trillion. <laughs> so let's dive in here. What what is it like when you bring together to Maddie for the first time? Does she see it? Does she hear the vision? Do you have to explain it to her? What is that process? Not at all. Uh, basically, uh, that was. But I wrote it four years ago, and I wrote it actually after the movie had shot because I was looking to write. Um, so an end credit that was, you know, really meaningful and that would work with the movie. And um, and I think, I don't even know if I wrote it for the movie or whether I just wrote it because uh, sometimes I just write and I just write and then I figure who the song would be good for and I'll send it to them or I'll keep it for myself. But in this, I don't remember what the, whether I was like, I have to write a good like hit song for the end of the movie. But um, we did write together and, um, and I thought, oh, this is, I have to do this for the end of the movie. It's, gonna, it's super important. I want to use this song. And, um, and Maddie heard it and then she loved it. And then Ryan Heffington heard it and then he put together, I, you know, I said I wanted to have all the cast members back in as a, you know, grand finale. Um, and, um, and so then he choreographs it and then, um, you know, I have fun designing Maddie's costumes and Kate's costumes and, and, uh, I don't know. I just love the whole process that I love. I love that process. Is your next album going to be the soundtrack to the the movie? Sure. So, well, the first album will be, um, that's okay, son. You can come in. 
Um, the first album is um, the first album is going to be them singing, so uh, Maddie and Kate and Leslie, wow. and they're and then I've got a couple of songs on the soundtrack of the movie, and then the next one we'll probably put out three months later is a is my version of all of the songs before I change some of the lyrics and stuff to support the narrative of the movie, um, and so it'll be the original versions of the so- of the soundtrack. And then um, I have a, another album waiting to go, and that's called <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be called Reasonable Woman, and um and uh and yeah and that, so I've just uh you know I'm I think I've got enough songs to go for quite a while maybe a year and a half or two. I want I want to get to Reasonable Woman in a second, um but, but to the movie again. Did Jack Antonoff? I know he worked with you on Together. Is he a part of the other songs on this soundtrack, or did you work with different people? I use different. Pe- I use so many people. Like Labyrinth was, was who I used mostly. Labyrinth was my main collaborator. Then I use Diplo for the opening scene. Who's got a doggy? <laughs> I do. It's Lou. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> They're my favorite. He, what is he telling you? Does he need to go outside? You do whatever you need to do, Papa. He's saying hi to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I back. I'm a dog lover to the max. Um, so, yeah, uh, what were we talking about? Labyrinth. Diplo started okay. off. Diplo, Jesse Shatkin, um, Jack Antonoff, Greg Kirsten, um yeah, we oh. did. I did uh, with a lot of my friends. Um, I'm trying. If I forgot someone, I feel terrible. But yeah, I, I wrote songs with a lot of different people. Um, and then the soundtrack was um, we, me and Labyrinth were supposed to do it, but then I realized I hate. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you realize after it's done or in the middle? No, while I was about trying to do the soundtrack, um, like the meaning the, um, what's it called? The score, yeah. sorry, the score, composing the score for the movie. And I realized how technical and mathematical it was. And I was like, Lab, I'm out. I was like, I can't do this. And then Lab was also really busy. And so a part of him was like, I'm kind of out too. Um, <laughs> so so we but we found a wonderful composer, um, Craig, and, and yeah, he's done an amazing job. So we're very lucky. <laughs> By the way, LSD, in my opinion, is one of the greatest supergroups to ever come together. It's ever. my favorite album I've ever done. It, uh, sonically, it is such a journey. Every little thing I can just see and feel. And your lyrics just, oh, my God, they're matched so beautifully together. It's, oh. Thank you. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Oh. It's genius, pun intended. Um, <laughs> reasonable woman, where are you at? Like, when, where were you writing this album? Like, how well, how long I, ago? I write all over the place. So, um, like, because I have uh, just you know, I have one place that's on oh, like a little bit of an island. It's not fan. I'm not trying to be fancy. It's not fancy. I just have a place that's on a bit of an island and that's where I'm quarantining with my family and friends and stuff. And, um, and then, um, and then some, I, sometimes I live in LA and then I, I, sometimes I work in New York, but I, I just write them in my bed or, um, on the sofa or at their, my friend's houses, they will drop tracks and I'll just sing the melody straight away. And then that will be the melody. And then I'll start writing the lyrics and, uh, and 
Reasonable Woman's accidentally already an album. That's only from it's it, it was it, I accidentally wrote enough songs and enough as as far as my management were concerned that were singles that I have an album now. So when did this start and when did it finish? Probably like well after I finished writing the movie I I might have worked I was editing which was making me crazy and sad and it was so difficult and a really difficult time I also something happened around after my divorce that was so um disappointing that I actually got really suicidally uh depressed and um so just on every now and again I would go maybe over to Jesse's house and write a song or I would hear a song and then I would just send him the chords and ask him to send me back a produced song and um yeah, and that that sort of, and then I was like, oh, I want to go back in with Greg. I haven't been in with Greg for a long time, and um, we so we do that for a little bit. Um, it's just sort of dribs and drabs, and then I don't know how I end up with them, but I yeah, it's very it's not organized. It's interesting because you you have your long standing collaborators who you feel comfortable and vulnerable with and like you can share and be creative because you know these people you know like yeah. you very rarely get into a room with somebody new yeah no, I don't I don't the fact that there's another album on the way and <laughs> all of these amazing come out for at least a year I mean that's why I don't want to get people like jazzed but for it because you... otherwise I'm competing with myself. You know what I mean? Totally. Knock myself off the radio. We hang with young artists all the time who are always like, "When I write a song, I just want to get it out there. I just want to release it. I want I it to be out there that. quick." Were you? Where'd you go? <laughs> I can kind of hear you. I think she dropped something because I could hear her laughing. <laughs> I said, "You know, I'm a grandma now." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and you don't want to be called Nana anymore. No, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to be called Lovey like Chris Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute, though. This is my Lovey. Like, that's kind of yeah, cute. I like no, that. I don't care what they want to call me. They can call me whatever they like. It was definitely a surprise. I adopted two adult, you know, adults. I did adult adoptions with two 18-year-olds last year. And, um, and yes, to, uh, so, and one of my sons had two children uh, just very recently. That's and, um, amazing. So, I am a I am a nana. I'm, I became a nana in like less than a year. <laughs> do, well, do congrats! Yes, congratulations. Thank you. They're do, very beautiful. I'm very lucky. Do you write any records after becoming a mom? Oh yeah, I re I've definitely written a bunch of songs after. Um, yeah, because for a lot of the time they were in uh, like trauma recovery, and um, so you know they weren't necessarily always with me because I. Basically, I, I knew that they they both had terribly, really shitty lives and horrific traumas. And um, and I knew that I had the resources to help them with that. And so that's primarily for the first year what we worked on was just getting them to a place where they were ready to accept help. And, um, and, and that eventually that happened. And so... Um, so there were periods, like long periods, where I didn't see them, and so I was, I was definitely working, and um, I think I started writing probably 
songs that were about them, you know? Yeah. Or about the experience, the experience of becoming a mum. Will those make it to Reasonable Woman? Uh, I'm, yeah, maybe. I, I don't, I've got, I would have to think about it because I can't remember what I've written in the last year. But, um, <laughs> yeah, probably there's one or two on there, I'd say, already. Um, yeah, but I'll write some more as well because, uh, you know, it's going to be a year before it comes out. So I'll just keep replacing anything that feels like an album track with a single if I ever make a single. So then, I'll, then I can Got have it. like an album full of singles. That's fun. That makes me feel like a good songwriter then. Is that is that the bar for you? An album yeah. full of singles? Yeah, that's what I that's what I would dream about. But how do you know it's a single? Well, usually I can smell it or feel it, or somebody else can smell it and feel it. Who who do you trust? But my managers, um, JD and Le David. <laughs> Le David. I call him Le David. It's because it's more fancy. Yeah. <laughs> It's much better than just normal David. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know you don't want to get ahead of yourself for a reasonable woman, but do you have like a whole concept around it? Because wow. I know a lot of people would say that I'm an unreasonable woman. <laughs> so I'm no, very I'm curious just, I mean, where I, that comes from. Yeah, no, I just threw a bunch of songs together that felt good, that felt like they were like good songs and that I wanted to keep for myself. And then I, when we were thinking about, we were talking about something, I was talking to my managers about something and they call me the practical diva um, <laughs> and or the pragmatic diva. And so, um, I don't know, I think I was talking about, I, I think I had gone on a date with somebody or something and, you know, and it wasn't going to work out. And, and then I, and I, so they were talking to me and I think I just wrote back, you know, I'm just a reasonable woman. And um, then I was like, ooh, album title, Reasonable Woman. <laughs> and they both put, like, exclamation marks and love hearts on that. So I was like, okay, good. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> but I am uh -huh. I'm a very reasonable person. Um, um, you know, I used to be very mentally ill. Um, but I, I, I've been recovering for 20 years. Um, and I've been sober for 10, let's say. Um, so I learned a lot in that time. And uh, and then I've been in trauma recovery for the last three and a half years since my uh, divorce. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm just a pretty reasonable woman. Can you like listen to your music and kind of track your growth as a human being? Oh, I would never. That sounds so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I could be watching a television show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the ultimate wank. Don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't, there's zero need for me to go back and listen to my early songs and wonder about who I am. And like, I'm not, you know, us artists are narcissistic enough. Like my whole point of, you know, in life has been it trying to achieve ego death, so that's the last thing that I would do. <laughs> I'm trying to live in the present moment. <laughs> By the way, before you, you, we dropped you, you were giving an answer that I think artists, especially young ones, need to hear about you being okay with putting out a song years later because everybody yeah. wants immediate gratification 
in well, the music. So did thing. I. When I was, you know, immersed in the biz, I was. It was infuriating. It was frustrating. It was like ah, oh! and you know, but you just learn after a while. You realize, oh, it's better if there's if there is a strategy around releasing your your album and singles. It's better if you know it's a good strategy. It's better if you know. I just, I guess, I just realize it gets into a place of acceptance where you realize that your music or your movie, per se, is just going to come out when it's supposed to. I mean, it's just going to accidentally maybe kismet. It's going to come out when it's supposed to. It's and it's going to hit or miss. You know, we are so lucky that together really speaks to the moment. You know, because having written that song so long ago. Um, if I had been an impatient teenager, um, or it had, like I was in my twenties, even, um, you know, I might have blown it. It wouldn't be the same. You're right. Totally. And by the way, like, isn't that a sign of a timeless record? Oh, I hope so. I think. You know what I like? They're called evergreens. Did oh, you know that? Yeah. I have. I have some. I have a few evergreens. Diamonds by Rihanna. That's one. <laughs> and then cheap thrills. And then guess what? The surprise evergreen is that I just found out about. Well, Dusk till dawn. Zayn Malik. That yes, mm-hmm. it is. By the way, and, on all the big playlists still. And that's in the top ten. <laughs> and then in the, and then so I think I was eleven was chandelier, and then thirteen was another one that I'd written for someone. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can really go to sleep now and just focus on being a mom. <laughs> a, a mom who also directs movies and... Uh, no, nope, that's done. That's done. So you, <laughs> yeah. but, but you're going to do a TV show. Oh, yeah. I, but I'm only going to direct the first or second episode. It's with Judd Apatow right now. I'm really hoping he'll say yes, that he wants to do it with us. Um, Manifest. But we, did it to, um, we, we were working with Brad Falchuk, who was wonderful, and we love Brad, but he has a deal with Netflix and they passed on it. So um, no, normal people wouldn't tell you that these things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care because I know it's so funny it'll be picked up by somebody. Um, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, we're working on a TV show with my best friend Dallas, uh, but that's like uh, life under the wig. It's not, it's a, it's not about, it's a, but it is based on my real life, which is, I mean, a pageant of the bizarre. If you were here, you would, you just wouldn't believe it. But you're a reasonable diva at the end of the day. <laughs> the reasonable, pragmatic, <laughs> practical diva. <laughs> uh, are you happy? No wig? It, it, seeing you in interviews, like with Good Morning America the other day, it was a beautiful <laughs> conversation, but. That was a wig, by the way. <laughs> and those were glasses and I had contacts in and I had prosthetics and I had my lips done weird. Um so I don't look anything like that person. Um <laughs> but um you know I had I wanted knew I wanted to promote the movie with my eyes. Um because you can't talk about emotional things I think it's difficult it's hard to I don't know I just thought uh, I can't wear the pop star get up when I'm doing an interview as a director, it's just, it's been a weird, like, how am I going to get around this? So that's why we got the, we got that funny little disguise going. Wait, it's a disguise. I don't. Yeah. I don't look like that at all. (laughs) (laughs) You can win. (laughs) 
<laughs> it makes sense about the eyes thing because you know they say the eyes are the window to the soul so if you're talking about something that you feel so passionately about you want to be able to you know look at someone's eyes and their expression i really did want to um i want because i care about this movie i do and uh, i i just i i do care i care a lot that's why it took four years to for me to really feel like it was in the right place to put out um and so I, yeah, I, I figured if I was going to do it, any promotion for it, that I would need my eyes. And, and we have a lot of people to thank, but on the list, Dallas, your best friend, pushing you. Yeah, he's the bomb. He's the best in the world. He saved my life in a lot of different ways, you know, because I told you I got very suicidal after the divorce. And um, he he basically saved my life. So that song saved my life. That I wrote that about Dallas. Oh, Wow. Wow. Well, I, I, that must have been like a, a really, was that, would you call it a full circle moment playing that song for him for the first time? Yeah, I, I like, what I asked him if he would film himself, and I shouldn't have, but I was, because I was curious, but then he, he did film himself listening to it, but then he called me back and he said I was so uncomfortable because being filmed that I didn't know what I was supposed to do, so I was in my head. He said, so I was like, am I supposed to be dancing or? <laughs> <laughs> so the video is uh, very strange. Um, <laughs> but I know that he felt it in his heart. So that's all that matters. <laughs> and, and ultimately a message that you need to send no matter what, a message you need to get out. Definitely. Hey. Yeah, I had to get it out, really. I just really wanted it out. <laughs> it was that was a book that I was like one of the I felt it was a teenage moment because I could have kept it for reasonable woman but I it was a teenager moment it was especially it was because it was around COVID as well and um it just felt like a song that might be comforting to people um and yeah so I I did I might have spooched too early on that one just because I was in the moment but you know, <laughs> Well, who cares? It's okay. There's others to come. We're all just floating through space. Amen. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, weird to say, like, well, you're calling yourself semi-retired, but, like, that's not really, like, that's not accurate. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, well, you, you you said what my management would say. Because yeah. <laughs> I think I'm semi I think I'm fully, almost fully retired. But I do, I do still do a bit of work here and there. Well, would you consider semi-retired only doing music for yourself, what you want to do, select sessions? Like, you don't do a lot of sessions for other people, except for, like, Kenzie. Yeah, no, I never, uh, we didn't do a session together. That song came to us. Oh, and really? I thought it was such a good song. I was like, oh, if she doesn't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> and because I now, finally, my ego can let me, like, I would sing another person's song, even though wow. I'm fully capable of writing my own songs. I, so I would never before, I would be like, oh, I don't do other people's material. Um, but this one was so good and I love Kenzie and I want to support her. And, you know, I think it's awful that, that she's had to live in Maddie's shadow her whole childhood. It's so damaging. And um, I want her to have her independence and, and, um, and you know her own thing and oh i wanted to support her and i thought the song was great but we weren't in the room together um and i don't even know who produced that track i literally they just sent it to me and then i never do sessions with i, well, I rarely do sessions with artists i i like pink 
her like I like, like her personality so much. So I, I've done I do them with her. Um, I did do a session with Scissor, um, cool. Solana, and she was awesome, fun, really amazing girl. And yeah, and yeah, just every now and again. Oh, and I did one with Dua Lipa, and that's what saved my life came out of. Wow. Um, and so I when I I just sometimes I'll try with new people because some people slow me down. Other people I can totally collaborate with, but if I if it's a slow me down person, I can't. I just it'll drive me crazy. Um, if they're over analytical or um, that it drives me crazy because I just want to blurt the song out and it, and let's get done. Get her done. Get her done. But you don't know that before until you get into the room with somebody, right? Yeah, exactly. So then if I have one, I only schedule one day at a time because I don't want to like it. If I don't like it, I don't want to cancel the next day because that would be rude. <laughs> Beautiful. So yeah. just take every day as it comes. Yeah, just one day at, at a time. And um, But most of the time I'll write for people but just with me and the producer or the producer will send me tracks and I'll write to the tracks for people. Like if they're saying blah, blah, is looking for tracks, I'll be like, okay. So I'll put myself in that headspace or or just write songs and then after I've finished writing them, I'll be like, this one feels like a Britney song or this one feels like a Beyonce song or this one feels like a Rihanna song or a Katie song. What part of that process fulfills you? Oh, I love, I love writing songs. Love, 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 love. The most best, the best moment of it is when they played the track for me for the first time and I press record on my computer and I sing to the track and intuit where where it's going, and I m- do my melody, and I just I just hope that I'm gonna intuit it goes in the right place, and my melody, and usually it does. Like I've got some weird intuition thing, and so always the first melody that I is the one that I use, and it it uh because and then I. So I, oh, it takes me two minutes to write the melody because all I have to listen to is the verse, the pre-chorus, the chorus, and the post-chorus, and I have, uh, I have, I have the the melody. So it takes me less than two minutes to write the melody, and um, and then um, the lyrics take a little bit longer. But if it's a if it's a good song, if it's one of those ones that's going to be probably successful, it usually takes way little amount of time. If I'm struggling with it, it's it's probably going to be an album track or I'm in the trash or giving someone else. <laughs> <laughs> is your melody detector, like, is that a muscle? Is that a trained skill? Like, how would you describe that? Or is it a gift? I do not know. I think it's a gift because I, I do not know. Wow. I really do not know. But I'm getting the wrap up. Yeah, I'm sorry. We've been talking to you for far longer than I know you have time for. Um, but I can't thank you I like enough. You guys. You're, you're, you're all very beautiful. Uh, you are beautiful as well. I mean, Dan, Ricky, you guys good? <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, this oh is very God. interesting. Nice, huh? to, nice to hear your voice for the very first time. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, hopefully in the future we can do this again. I would like that. You guys are really nice. You are spectacular and, and truly, and I say this without being like a corny, you are an icon and your music has shaped and changed my life. So I thank you very much thank you you. and what you're doing for those Ziegler sisters is a game changer and uh yeah i have just uh, a lot of respect and appreciation so thank you for giving us time thank you sweetie thanks for helping me promote my movie well and anytime and uh we're we're doing we're doing good work if we're sharing your art so uh, anytime thank you very much
I'm well, handing you up to Selvin. He'll hang up because I don't know how to. Okay. <laughs> Bye, see ya. Bye, guys. See ya. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.